Welcome to It Comes With Living, the podcast where no topic is taboo. We will listen, discuss, and learn from each other's life lessons, even the most difficult transitions. I'm your host, Stephanie BB. I'm a therapist and certified advanced palliative and hospice social worker. I have the honor of sharing time and space with individuals and families who are fighting serious illnesses, exploring their own mortality, or facing some of life's toughest circumstances. This work has inspired me and taught me so much about living on purpose. So join me as I share some of those lessons with you, and we'll sit down with some really great people doing some really hard things. And listen, we're gonna have some fun too. So whether we're chatting about our peaks or valleys, celebrating our victories or overcoming disappointments, sharing moments of joy or heartbreaking sorrow, we know it comes with living. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Today's conversation is an intentional one. It is a needed one, but it is also a very sensitive topic. Our guest today, LaToya, is bravely and boldly sharing her voice as a strong witness. LaToya takes us on a journey with her as she has learned to embrace the power of her voice in overcoming sexual trauma. For many, this may be a difficult conversation to hear, but I encourage you all to tune in and listen ahead because it's a conversation our community needs to have. Thank you so much. Thank you guys so much for joining me again on It Comes With Living. I am so excited. Um, I appreciate all the support. Um, I feel it. I feel the vibes. Thank you guys. So today I have a very special guest with me here today, um, Miss LaToya Smith, little A big T inside joke for those that don't know us, but LaToya Smith is the owner and founder of LCS Counseling and Consulting Agency and a phenomenal um, therapist. Um, And for those who don't know, uh, LCS is actually where I practice. Um, And so it is a joy to consider LaToya my colleague, but also my friend. And so today may be a little different um, than just like, it's not an interview. This is a chat amongst friends about a pretty sensitive topic. Um, As you guys know, it is my desire here in this space to have really hard conversations with great people who are doing some really hard things. And so LaToya is one of those people, um, immediately when I met her, there was something about her spirit, something about her light that made me want to know more. Um, And so I hope you guys enjoy this conversation, but more importantly, I hope that this conversation inspires and helps somebody. Um, And I literally just heard the song in my head, If I Could Help Somebody. It was one of my grandmother's favorite songs, and I literally got goosebumps and almost started crying. So as the grieving grief therapist, I just wanted to acknowledge that moment because it's real and it's here. Um, But Latoya, thank you so much for joining me today. Yes, Stephanie BB. Thank you for inviting me on the show. I'm excited about your new podcast. So I'm definitely excited to be a guest too. Yay. Thank you. I appreciate always supporting me and anything I'm doing. So um, you're a real one. So thank you, Stephanie. <laughs> you are too. Well, thank you. So love fest over anyway. So <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to figure out how do we step into this space? And so I'm going to try to set up the conversation and I want you to at any time call flag on the play, tell me pivot, you know, anything like that. So mm-hmm. one of the things that's really um inspired me about the work that you do is that as a 
outside of your professional role as an LPC, but as a woman, as a person, one of the things that you've done very well is take um, a difficult life experience and find a way to encourage others. And so I would love for you to set up um, your story and your journey. What I did is a couple years ago, I started a pl platform and it's called Strong Witness. And Strong Witness is a space for people to share their stories, connect with other people, right? And I had a different name and I always, when I tell people, I can't remember what the first name was, but like the domain was taken or it was taken somewhere. And I was like, whatever, just the Holy Spirit gave to me strong witness. And, and just for that purpose, like when we share our stories, it takes a lot of strength, takes vulnerability. And then we're all witnesses, right? We are a witness to what has occurred or happened in our lives. So now I started strong witness for storytelling for people to heal through story, but I learned about healing through story when I began to share my story of being a, a victim of childhood sexual abuse. And for the longest time, I didn't speak. And then I realized that once I started speaking about it, whether it be um, writing about it or telling other people, it's like the stronger I got. Yeah. And I said, you know what, if, if, if it, that, it was that easy, like all of a sudden when you start talking, you're like, that was it? Like, <laughs> because it seems like the biggest hurdle or the highest mountain to climb. But then once you begin to flow and to share, it's like, it's comforting, it's heartwarming, it's peaceful, it's breakthrough, it's everything. Yeah. And I was like, man, I don't want to keep this just to me. I want other people to experience this. And that's what I am hoping that Strong Witness does or shows or brings light for others. Man, so I am a fan of Strong Witness. And um, I believe it, it does exactly what it's intended to do is um, empower people to share their story. Like it encourages them to do that, but also gives them the space. And um, so I appreciate you for doing that. But I want to take a little bit of a like a step back in the story. Um, you created Strong Witness after finding the power of your voice, but that means that there was once a time when you didn't have it. Oh yeah, absolutely not. Yeah. So <laughs> go ahead. Absolutely not. Um, and once a time, and if I was really quick and good at math, I would come up with some years, but I would say 20 some years that I didn't have as it relates to this topic. Yeah. You know, that's why it's, it's such a big deal to me to do it because feeling voiceless and um, in the issue, it's, it's the heaviest weight that I don't, I don't, I wouldn't wish upon anybody else to experience, but a heavy weight to carry, you know, who was it? Maya Angelou that said um, something about a story untold, right? Just the yeah. idea of the weight that we carry and what we're holding and what a heavy burden to have those words just sitting on your heart. Or I remember being younger and thinking, I wish I could scream this from, the top of a mountain or if I ever had a platform this is what I would scream um but I think at that point because I didn't know how I could I could have went to the top of the mountain and the words wouldn't have came out mm -hmm. so that's why it's 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 used for me to have something like strong witness just for sharing and letting people know that it's okay to talk yeah you know what I mean yeah so tell us um in a way you know whatever's comfortable for you um so you were a, a victim, is that a fair assumption of, of um, childhood sexual trauma? Mm -hmm. And um, in our community, and by our, I mean Black people, I mean people of color, I mean um, Americans, I mean the world, I mean human beings. I think in general, people do not talk about um, enough childhood sexual trauma. 
Um, I think it is a space that is often for some cultures <laughs> glanced over or even considered part of just existence. Um, and so I would love for you to share a little bit about um, as much as you're comfortable, your experience to help shed light on the different dynamics. And if you want to go from like a psychoeducation perspective, whatever you're comfortable with, you know, sharing about your trauma. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you know what? I think I would just like to share period about being a, a little girl who was sexually assaulted. And I think, you know what, there's different ways. I'm glad you said it that way. It's something that's not talked about a lot. And I think that was part of the issue why, why it was hard for me to find my voice because at that time, you know, we didn't see those things in school. Yeah. You know, you may have saw, you know, this is, this is before social media, right? Before cell phones, you know, we may have saw, um, a poster that said, don't do drugs, yeah. you know what I mean? Or something, the academics and go to the library and read, but there wasn't that poster. If somebody's touching you inappropriately, call this right. hotline, you know, you had Oprah, right. but that was it, you know? Right. And so I remember for the longest time too, about finding a voice, I couldn't even say the word like molestation out of my mouth. Like things are just hard to do, like yeah. even as you were speaking. So like all that was just coming back to my remembrance of what to call it and what to say. But, you know, I just, um, I do identify as a victim of childhood uh, sexual assault, right? Child abuse. And my incident, it occurred when I was in the seventh grade and it was the fall. I want to say it was like October, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and it was by a family member um, who's no longer a family. He was married into the family. Um, and it was, it's, it's inter not interesting. I wanted to say crazy, but I might as well just say crazy. It's crazy because, you know, some of the, a lot of times, if we look at statistics, right, people who are abused, whether it be uh, period, victims of child abuse, know they're the perpetrator. Yeah, for So sure. this person is not foreign. Sometimes when the stories are told, we, you know, think of, okay, this, we're walking down a dark alley and there's somebody- Stranger danger. Right, but it's really somebody that we do know, and most times somebody that we do love. And, and it makes it harder to, to cope with, like mm -hmm. those incidents. Um, and I just want people to realize that also, I know the stats before were like one in four girls, one in six boys and things that you just don't know. Maybe, and the stats may have been different then, right? Um, but my point is, is that if those stats, say those stats were the same back then when I was yeah. in middle school, that means that I wasn't the only one in like my classroom. You know what I mean? Right. I wasn't the only one in the school. I, the teachers probably dealt with something, mm -hmm. male, female. And, and it's just like, man, like, had there been room to talk, I could have got help way sooner. Yeah. You know, and that's why I'm like, man, strong witness. This is, I want people to see this, like it's okay. Um, but I, I, I think about those things. So yeah, when I was in the seventh grade, it, at that time, it was somebody that, um, it, it, at that time, it was my sister's husband. They're no longer married. But, you know, somebody I thought like, yeah, you know, I already have three brothers, like a fourth brother. Like I look up to this guy, like being being like funny, always wanted to be around. Like he was in the military and traveled. So when he came back in town, it was like, oh my goodness, like this is so exciting. Especially being a little kid, think about it. When, yeah. you, when you're young and then family members came to visit or came over, it was like, they're like your superheroes. Right. Um, so, you know, a lot of times this particular night, um, and I won't get too graphic for your podcast, but this particular night, you know, when I was sleeping in a part of the house that nobody else was in, the person who I, one of the people in my life who I thought was a superhero 
you know, I woke up to him touching me inappropriately. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I mean, if you could imagine, you know, like when you trip and fall and it seems like you've fallen for like 10 hours yeah, and it's really yeah. like a couple seconds. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, it was kind of like that. Like when I woke up and I realized what was occurring, it seemed like hours could have been happening, mm. but it was just seconds and everything was slow motion. And in those moments, it's crazy how the human mind works and it's, tra- it's crazy how trauma, you know, affects you. Yeah. And it's like the thoughts immediately began to go on. And that's where the shame comes in. I think a lot of victims hold the shame in this space because immediately I'm thinking, I don't know who this is because it was dark and it was the angle, but whoever it is, I can't look in the eyes again. Like a young child, again, I'm I'm in the seventh grade. I don't know. I don't know how old I I know I was still a year behind for the, not that I was really smart. I just started early. So I was, I was, I was a younger one. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't skip any grades. I just happened to start early. But um, so I may have been like 11 or 12 at the time. But the point I'm trying to make is my mind couldn't handle that. Couldn't mm-hmm. handle something happen to me like, like a young child would see on TV, like the, the late night movies you shouldn't be watching. You know what I mean? And the yeah. questions that go on in your head of, um, I can't look this person in the eyes again, or I'm so embarrassed, I'm so ashamed. All within seconds, it got dumped on me. And what I realized, because over the years, like asking yourself questions, I come to realize like, it was almost like whatever he was, it's, it's almost like it got trent. Like I just felt this stuff just come over me. Wow. Um, and it was so heavy, but the way that trauma affects you and where you hold trauma and the thoughts that you begin to have uh, that don't make any sense. Yeah. But it's how we make sense of it and how we hold it. And, um, and then, and I, I would say that changed me, maybe not in my outward behavior, maybe not maybe I know what stunted me emotionally mm. being able to connect with other people or trust other people or get a warm embrace from other people like there's so many things that whatever was going on in his adult mind yeah that and that's something you know over the years because over the years you ask yourself certain questions and I'm not in certain spaces anymore but you ask yourself those questions like did you realize that your moments of pleasure were going to cause me years of pain Mm. you know what I mean so just the things that um I would think about but you know and even that night it was hard so you know I don't know what happened I don't know what he heard what he thought happened um but he had jumped up and he he ran away and I remember just sitting there and being frozen right anybody like Mm -hmm. being scared and being like okay well what's the first of all I don't know who this is that ran and I heard him trying to lock the way that house was set up, um, the bathroom had two entrances, one into the laundry room and one into like Mm -hmm. the other side of the house. And he ran in the laundry room way. And I guess he didn't realize the door was locked so he can go out the other side and straight up the steps. And, you know, hindsight again, you know, it was good for me so I could could see who it was, you Mm -hmm. know what I mean? But, you know, um, being that he couldn't get out the the other way he um he had to uh, come back and that's when he opened the door and the door kind of the door cracked and I was able to see yeah him. yeah and at that moment like then he faked like he was washing clothes you know yeah. <laughs> and I, 
I had jumped up and I went around and I went and I opened, um, I ran upstairs to see my mother. Latoya, I just, I mean, your transparency and your uh, awareness and your ability to to convey um, not only your experiences, but like kind of just to think it through for and take us on this journey with you. Like, I appreciate you so much for your vulnerability. So this this moment happens, this life altering moment, um, and you you realize who this person is. So what does this little girl do? Like, do you go and tell? Do you seek for help? Like what happens? Yeah. Um, in that moment, I will say for somebody not having, you know, I, I did when I saw when the door creaked, right. Mm-hmm. It, and I saw the his face and he got startled too, as if like, look at him getting startled that I'm seeing him, which is, you know, right. ridiculous. And then I, I jumped up. I ran, you know, from the den through the kitchen around to the steps and went up. So he couldn't come out that way because it was locked. And I went and told my mom. And as I'm telling my mom, I hear him coming up the steps behind me, of course, because now he's going back to his room, I guess, to play sleep. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, And it was, man, again, in mind of a child, I went to my parents' bedroom because at that time my parents were still married. And I went and I walked around and I, I shook my mom. I said, mom, mom, I have something to tell you. She said, what? I said, come downstairs, come downstairs. And all the while, my dad is there sleeping. And of course, years later, I think, I wish I would have told my father. Because my father mm. would have drugged that man out that house. You know, but again, <laughs> when you're thinking about my body and something like that happening, I don't yeah. want to tell my dad. You know what I mean? Again, you're, there's so much fear that comes over you and so much embarrassment and shame. And we came downstairs and my mom was sitting. I remember I was standing and I was sobbing like uncontrollable tears. And I remember mm. trying to, um, you know, say to her, like, okay, well, he touched me. What do you mean he touched you? Well, he touched me. Like, I couldn't say out of my mouth yeah. what it was because I was too embarrassed. Yeah. And I wish she would have pressed me. Like, I wish she would have pressed, like, what, you know? Yeah. But it didn't happen that way. And it was just kind of like, but the look on her face, it took me years to go back and picture how she looked too of the mm. shock that was on her. And it took me years to realize once I started telling the story, she was she was just as traumatized. Yeah, yeah. You know, again, like I was woken up out of my sleep. She's woken up out of her sleep to hear this. Um, you know, and people react to trauma differently. And, I, you know, even as a professional, I realized that a lot of times it's hard to help somebody else with trauma if whatever your trauma may be, if you ain't dealt, I don't care if your trauma was whatever, yeah. it had to be the same story. But if you haven't dealt with yours, it's hard to help somebody else. And I remember that night, you know, you know, there's so much that I think as an adult now, an adult woman that I would give to or do for somebody else where I heard that and little things that I didn't get. But yeah. I think I've also realized that she was just as traumatized. So where, where a warm hug would have came in or anything, it didn't happen that way. Yeah. Um, but you know, it was, I think it was, it was just hard the next day and like nobody else in the house woke up. It was, the, it was just like, it was just, he was, I know that man might be so scared yeah. and I'm glad he was scared. And I really wish I would have told my father years later when I did tell my father, he was like, you should have told me, you know what I mean? Because, yeah. you know, my father at that point, well, he still is retired army. And, um, and, and at that time, he, my brother-in-law, my then brother-in-law was in the army. 
and my father could have said something and he could have, you know, things yeah. that disciplinary action that I remember the next day, you know, my mom even asked me, what, you know, well, hey, what's up? What do you want me to do? Oh, I'm so embarrassed. And I wish, you know, that's why an advocate, a strong advocate is so important. Like somebody who's just going to be yeah. like, no, this, this is what we're about to do. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, regardless, like, because I love you this, you know, yeah. and not because I love you this, but, you know, I realize I'm not bashing her. I'm just saying, I know me now. Yeah. And I mean, a lot has to do with, you know, me being a therapist and things that we have to do regardless, you know, right. that our license right. says that we have to do. A lot of it has to do with me being uh, victimized in that way where I wouldn't want anybody else to experience it. And I'm a fight for you, period. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, so I wish the fight for me was different. Um, but I know now and I know that I fight for myself different. Yeah. So I think there's something. So, I mean, just the whole thing is powerful and I could, I know you have not have talked about this a little bit before, but I think this is way is even different for us in the context of our friendship and how we talked about it. And so um, one of the things that sticks out to me is when you said um, that you wished the fight was there, like that the fight looked different. And even though you acknowledge that your mom and, and, was there and was supportive and trying to be whatever you needed, but it was almost like you had to guide what the next step were, was like, as far as what the next action was. And, and so um, it's so interesting to me because I think advocacy, when I hear you talk, I don't think I've ever heard that moment before, but knowing you, I hear where your advocacy was born. So like, not, not, not just your experience, but having heard you talk about, helping people find their voice and knowing how to go and move and even being able to um, impact the outcomes or speak up or ask for action or, you know, even advocate within justice systems for themselves. I hear that advocacy in that moment where there was something that you needed and rather than use your experience and hold it onto you, the woman Latoya birthed something that helps people not only within the practice that you do with your clinical work, but even in a more tangible way for the mass consumption about helping people find spaces for advocacy and empowerment. I, for me, it just was a moment to see the dots connect in a way that I hadn't before. But when you think about kids who've had traumatic experience and, and sexual abuse and trauma and the parents, one of the things that I think I've come to see is that sometimes people are doing the best that they can with what they know to do in the moment. And so that's where information is important because also parents don't know what to do if there's an education for them about how to protect their children as well, or what those next steps are or what that looks like. What do you think within the space of parents supporting children who have been victims of traumatic sexual you know, abuse or any kind of trauma really, what do you think parents need to know that their children need in that space? I think that's a good question. I think believing first, and I'm happy that my words were never questioned. They were believed like immediately by any family member that have known. Nobody's ever second guessed. But I know people where the adults' response was, get out of here, that's not true, or denial, and my heart breaks for them. So I think believing the words of a child because um you know, I think if anybody comes and says anything like that, I'm not saying it's, I know we, we all know some cases where things were kind of, you know, 
whatever. I think it's important to believe. Right. It's important to believe the child. So I think first and foremost, believing the words that come out of that child's mouth and then making sure that their child is safe. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like no longer in the home. I yeah. think when that happened to me, I think he moved out because it just so happened they were moving out anyway to get their house on base. So it had to be like a day or two. I think he stayed that night. I don't remember a night after that. Like mm-hmm. it was just so quick. Like at the time, you know, I thank God for that because I don't know how kids, like if we're looking now in the pandemic and that's one of the things that are told, right? Right, right. Kids are home. Some of them are home with, the, with their abusers. Yeah. And I, I, I couldn't imagine. I couldn't imagine for, and you know, my incident happened once. Which doesn't make it, I had to learn this, doesn't make it any less harmful, painful, hurtful, traumatic than right. somebody who had to go through it for years. But my heart breaks for the ones for years that had to walk by their perpetrator. Right. You know what I mean? Or, and just be so scared. And as sometimes I imagine dissociating and like having to check out, like, you know. Right, out of, as a means um, of survival. Exactly. And so I think first and foremost, like believing those words, making sure the child is safe. Of course, get them therapy, but also advocate. You know, like even asking the question, like checking in, like, I'm telling you that, are you okay? Or how are you doing today? Those things go a long way. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like not minimizing, oh, whatever. It just happened once. You know what I mean? Are you all right? Cause he ain't there. Like if you don't know how to handle something, sometimes it's just best either if you can't hold space, you know, and if you can't say how you're doing then you got to make sure you find a therapist that can help that person do that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because, cause that minimizing, that being dismissive, that well, we already talked about it, you know, and and to me, people who do that, who want to brush things off, we already talked about it, it's done. I mean, you ain't dealt with none of your stuff. Right. And you right. don't know how to deal with it. For so something I'm talking about right now was either triggering some old stuff for you, you know what I'm saying, or you ain't dealt with your stuff, but don't hinder me because you haven't dealt with yours. Right. And right. I think that's that generational um, for me, I can speak of generational hurt. Like I said, it doesn't have to be the same exact thing that I experienced, but you know what I mean? If we so used to sweeping things under the rug or acting like it didn't right. happen. So now my pain is just another thing we putting on the shelf and I'm not, I'm, don't do that to me. Right. You know what I'm saying I'm not willing to be in that space for anybody else. Right. And I think, I mean, your boldness just is so inspiring, but I think that's a thing. Like people, you know, I can remember, you know, hearing back in the, like, we're going in this house, stays in this house. And, and I think that has created generations of trauma. Like mm-hmm. people are holding on to, to, to secrets and trauma that is, you know, impacted people in such negative ways. And, and I think, the fact that you're like, you know what, listen, <laughs> this is, this is my story to tell. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to hurt anybody in the process, but what I will do is make sure that I don't stay ho- held hostage to this experience or that moment mm-hmm. because of people's uncomfortability with me and processing my healing and finding, you know, and moving through this process. Right. Absolutely um, not. And you know, one thing too, I, I thought, because again, it was years later, there's so much, year, like I keep saying years later, cause really it was years later like things that have unraveled and unfolded and like light bulbs that, that mm-hmm. went off. And I think you begin to learn at different levels. Um, even the more mature that I became, like when I became a woman or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, as I grew and when I, when I became around the age that he was, you know, as an adult, even older now, things you think about, um, you began to reflect back differently on situations. And it was something my nephew had wrote because he used to do some music and, he wrote that he learned that his father was a victim of like rape or something. Mm-hmm. And I remember reading that and, and, you know, of course for his mother, his mother's passed away. Um, 
my brother-in-law's mother, my ex-brother-in-law's mother. But I remember thinking that and being like, okay, but still, like, I'm not willing to be collateral damage because unfortunately, yeah. and sadly that happened to your mom and you're the victim and you were wrestling with your stuff. No, like, I'm not, I don't feel any less, like, I don't hate that man, but what I'm saying is I'm not going to be collateral damage because yeah. like, like I, I cannot stand the phrase hurt people, hurt people. Like yeah. it makes perfect sense. I get it. But it's not a, you know, you don't use it as an excuse right, to right. destroy 10 people and be like, well, right. somebody was mean to me 10 minutes ago. That's not fair. You know, we, we all have to own our stuff and take right. care of our stuff. And I can't use that as an excuse as I destroy others. You yeah. know what I mean? So um, that that part bothers me. But yeah. I didn't, I, you know what? I never thought about the hurt, the other side of the hurt people, hurt people. I believe in acknowledging that like when we are broken and we have these dark spaces and we don't do our work that we impact those around us. So hurt people, hurt people. But hearing you say, you know, like it's not an excuse. I think we all kind of in our head think about that. But I think that's something to call out is that we can't, you know, um, make excuses for people because of their experiences. Um, And that's so true. But something I wanted to go back to that you said, Um, And I think I hope people that are listening hear this is that you said it's been years and as the years have gone on, you've healed in different spaces, you've learned more, you've grown more, you've processed different things. And so I want anyone who's been a victim of any kind of trauma, number one, to remember that healing isn't linear, like that there will come spaces where there's new opportunities of growth, new opportunities to explore and process in a different way as life experiences come and new clarity, I think is what I hear you also saying. Mm -hmm. Um, But even um, awareness, I think is better, like of what transpired and what the impact is um, and ways that you can process it as you go through new life experiences. Mm -hmm. And so for the listener, that's important, but that the person that maybe just now starting to process trauma or uh, maybe has some childhood trauma that they're like now seeing in a different way to normalize that you don't process this once. Oh, no. Oh, no. (laughs) If it was that easy, one straw witness wouldn't be burnt. Like we wouldn't even <laughs> be having this conversation. And listen, I don't. I know some people who have been assaulted, raped, and you know, I don't know. I guess everybody's different, but it's not a one-time thing. I yeah. can't imagine somebody being like, you know, that's it. I'm done. It does affect everybody differently. You know, everybody handles trauma different. And you know, even I thought about this the other day, because I was trying to think about how to describe it, just in case you asked me, but when I, when I thought about it, I was like, oh my goodness, like, that's exactly how it felt. So with that, that event, the event, the abuse happened to me on a Saturday night, mm-hmm. right, Sunday. I went to school Monday morning. I remember walking into the school. I remember walking to my locker and I remember looking at the, you know, you had to turn it right, turn it all the way back left, go right, you know, I'm turning the numbers around the locker. And I remember the thought that came in my head was, you know, nobody knows what happened to me. Mm. And it, it's almost like in that moment when I was standing there, it was almost like we're in a play and it's like, we'll fade to black. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the, and the curtain goes down and that piece was shut up in me until I got to a senior in high school. Wow. And it, it reminds me of, I saw this dope post, I have to find it because I meant to share it, but I didn't where this therapist talked about sometimes trauma in our life is like shipwreck Mm -hmm. and our healing is also stuff coming back up to the surface. Mm -hmm. What needs to be the good and the bad, 
right? Yeah. The beautiful moments, not. Nah. I think she said life is like shit, but whatever. But that was was like for me, like like almost like you throw something like the movies where you go lower in the ocean, it gets darker and darker. It was yeah. like that, and so it was almost like like that was tucked compartmentalized in such a way. Why just went along with life, yeah. and I don't know what triggered it. It may have been the change of graduating high school and know I'm going off to college. Like life was going to change for me. And all of a sudden it woke back up, mm, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's where I started talking about it. Maybe like one or two people my senior year. I could, if we had to sit right now, and I know it's not what we're about to do because we're, we're not, but I could probably thank all the people I've told in my life outside before strong with, you know what I mean? Because yeah. I just didn't talk about it that much. But um, all but then when I got the undergrad, I started talking about it a little bit more. And, but still it was pressing. Mm-hmm. You know, because it, you weren't telling the right people and then you're still trying to make sense of what's yeah. going on. Um, yeah. So when did you um, seek out professional help to process your, your trauma? When I was an undergrad, I did. Um, I don't remember how. It was like the campus person that yeah. was there. And it was just the being a therapist now and knowing that you should find a therapist that fits for you. It was a bad connection. It was bad. Um, but that person who really helped me at that time was, um, one of the vice presidents that was there when I sat with her, I have no idea how we even got connected. I have no idea. Mm -hmm. Um, but I would go in and just chat with her. That helped a lot. Mm -hmm. I remember trying to tell people I looked up to like, whether it be, um, a coach or a friend. And again, hindsight, knowing what I know now, like they could, you couldn't, help me you know what I mean yeah um because you had your stuff yeah and and I wish I would have been able to see that then but I just didn't know you know sometimes you just try to grab hold of of whoever you think yeah right can be of support when I got to um grad school again and now I'm in counseling um definitely got help from a professor there just somebody sometimes the help is just being having a listening ear and just talking yeah just like that goes space. that goes such a long way and then I got counseling when I was at Auburn and um, that person helped because she was also a victim herself and just really understanding the language. Um, the biggest piece to the help, of course, the Holy Spirit and God that just guided me the whole way, like gave me understanding. Um, even when I was, you know, cutting up and doing things, I didn't allow me to go too far. Like some women yeah. became promiscuous. That wasn't my thing. I did drink a lot, mm-hmm. you know, but it was, it was weird. Like some people drink to like let go of the thoughts, but it was weird because when I drank, it was like I felt things stronger that I wouldn't allow myself to feel. Mm. And sometimes it's almost like I needed to feel it. it mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, so when I, um, I don't drink anymore, but I used to have, my tolerance was pretty high. I was pretty, I was, I used I was to turn up. I was good at it. <laughs> and, but, um, but I used to feel things. I could sit in that space and almost like make, try to make sense of it. The things mm. that I would, I wouldn't allow myself to feel or think. Um, but the person who helped me the most was my current pastor when I had moved here to Texas and, and uh, I shared with her and she said, why don't you just, just write him, write him a letter, like tell him what you feel. And I was like, okay. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? And I think it wasn't that night, but I went home maybe a couple days later and I just sat and I just, boom, I just wrote. Yeah. I think the letter's like five to seven pages wrote, I mean, detailed to the point where um, you couldn't even, there's no way he could deny that the way I broke down the the way the room was set up that night. And, mm-hmm. you know, you know how it's done. Everything else is dark with the light on top of the, the stove and, yeah. you know, the, the way the door creaked, the way that the laundry room and you 
check both locks, the way you go up the steps, the way the yeah. way your car looked, the times I've seen them since. Remember, I saw you drive by. Remember, I saw you at my niece's graduation. Remember, I saw you outside the apartment complex. Like the way it was laid out. Um, or remember before we even got there, the time you took me to the carnival, but we had to come back home. You know, you can't deny it. And I just sat that night. I remember sitting on the floor in my bedroom and just typing and just going in and everything pouring out. Mm-hmm. And then I and then uh, my pastor told me, mail it, mail it to him certified. So he has to sign for it. You know, so you sign it for something. And then I got, I know you got it now. Now I didn't expect them to, to send me any cards. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? But uh, I know you read it. And just that feeling of releasing it. Now, not everybody's there. So I'm not saying, right, start right. sending the letters, you know. Right. And I think that's that's so important. It's like sometimes what what we need is different, but having a space to figure out what that is for us um, is important, I think. And, and that's what I hear you saying, like having the right people in the right place to help us process what we need. And some things we wouldn't even, you, you, it's not like you wouldn't even thought to, to let alone write them a letter, but mm-hmm. um but I think that's brave in itself, like, and mm-hmm. just shows the the amount of work that you had done to try to get to a place of, uh, of healing, you know, and, 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 and freedom is really what I hear in it. I don't want to, oh, yeah. you know, yeah. um, I saw something the other day that made me think, um, about something you were saying. It said that, um, it was like somebody put a quote on Facebook and it said, did you genuinely hear or you just forced yourself to forget or distract yourself? And that's what I was thinking of when you were talking about the shipwreck, the shipwreck, mm-hmm. you know, in, in the spaces where you, it almost like you just, the, it went dark and it went dormant. And for some people, they think that's healing. Like mm-hmm. the fact that you've gone dark in those spaces, you know, you've been able to shut them off a little bit, yeah. um, that that's healing. Um, but that can, that can look different, you know, for everyone that can. Um, and so it's important to make sure that you pursue healing and, and remember, it's just, it's not linear and it doesn't look the same for everybody. Mm-mm. So if we were to talk about like, as a, now a trauma therapist, I mean, a trauma counselor, LPC, which your, your preferred title, um, how do you help people who are in this space? Yeah, and I um, I don't know if I would even think to myself to be like a trauma therapist. I think, and let me back up too, because you just said something a minute ago that I thought was really good. As far as helping other people, I want to say to people, if you don't think that you can help, then to move out the way. You know what I mean? If you're Hello, not somebody. healed... If you don't, if you if you haven't dealt with your stuff, move out the way, because that does more harm than it yeah. does good. And I and I say that specifically because there was um, at that time uh, a person in my life, like a men- I'm not gonna put her all the way out there, but like a mentor. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Um, another leader, right before I came, and I remember telling and like needing this help because you look to certain people that you think right, can help right. you, whether it be therapists, whether it be um, people, you know, whomever. Mm-hmm. And I, I shared it and it wasn't until I wrote that letter. Cause when I wrote that letter, you couldn't tell me nothing. I was telling people I had told years ago, listen, you know, I wrote this letter, right? Like just yeah, let you know. It was like you were free and I'm like. Boom, <laughs> telling everybody, listen, this yeah. is what I did. I ain't talked to you in years. Remember I told you this, wrote the letter. And I told this person it, and then they're like, oh, you know, well, you know, um, you know, something like that happened to me too. And I'm thinking to myself, 
wait a minute, what? So you mean to tell me you ain't even dealt with your stuff? When she began to talk, I realized you ain't even dealt with yours, but I trusted you to help me move out the mm. way. Yeah, You know what I'm saying? Because you couldn't help me. That's different from holding space. That's different from saying, I don't know, but I'm sitting with you. But yeah. trying to act like you have the answers, like I, I can't, that does way more harm than good. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and then as far as the healing part, it, you're right. It's not, it, it's locked up dormant, but it isn't healing. So I think it's so true that like, it's important that you don't step in a space like, but don't, don't try to be in a space where you're the person trying to guide someone. If that is not your skill set, that's not your, because you can harm people. But I also believe that like, it doesn't require a trauma background to hold space. Oh. Um, and so. Not if you want to, not if you really want to hold space, it doesn't require that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying like, but. I guess my thing is, is like, if you're still uncomfortable, you also don't want to re-traumatize yourself. Right, right. You know what I'm saying? So if you're able. One thing I did want to say, Stephanie BB, is that when, and we hear it a lot in the counseling office and we, we see it with our clients, right? So when a person has unhealed trauma, they are more susceptible to being traumatized again. Mm. It's almost like you're in that place of that pain. And so you think that, um, the pain, the low point, what you're experiencing is normal, mm. right? Or you think the pain and the low point is all that you're worth. Mm. So what happens is you begin, you begin to get around people who treat you the same way or who, who let, that, let that low in you ride out. And that's why when I, when I share my story, it wasn't until I met this current pastor that saw the gifts on the inside of me and could recognize something's not right and could break it, call it out of me, and then pull it up, right? Mm-hmm. But, but a lot of times, and I know I'm not getting into every story I have, because I got them. Maybe you let, you'll invite me back on a couple years. When, yeah, uh, it yeah, comes to yeah. Living. But um, even when it comes to suffering and sexual abuse, but then being more susceptible when it comes to emotional abuse. Yeah. Because in the inside, you feel broken, but then being with people who will put you down because you already feel that way anyway. Oh, I'm not good enough anyway. You know, so a lot of times that that trauma locked up on the inside of us when it's not expressed, it produces so much stuff. Yeah. You know, yeah. it produces other things can grow from it. Like that's like a, almost like it's a seed. It's a bad seed. Yeah. You know what I mean? But when it stays hidden, things sprout from it. You know, I think that I'm healthy. so... I'm so glad you said that because I think I can think about people, you know, that I've had experiences with, whether through counseling or even personal experiences. And you just try to figure out like, why, um, why, why are you okay with these circumstances? Like, why are you okay with being around these kind of people or how they treat you? How can you not identify that that's not healthy? Like, how can you not? And I think it speaks to what our thought patterns are and the little impressions that are laid on us that end up becoming our negative thoughts and become our, you know, our perceptions and what we're willing to open ourselves up to. And, and it creates this own narrative to it. it. It's like it, like a seed, it does, it grows limbs and leaves and all of that. It makes deposits on our self-perception, our, our definition of our self-worth and all those things. So I'm so glad you shared that. Yeah. There's so many layers to this. This could be a, I mean, a several layer conversation, a seven part conversation because there's so many layers, but to the neighbor, friend, um, colleague who has someone in their life that's trying to um, heal 
um, you know, spouse, whatever, what do you say to them? To the person that, that has a loved one, know somebody they really care about who's aching when it right. comes to this issue. Right. Oh man. Just that what we were just talking about, <laughs> about, <laughs> about holding space, about being present, um, about not pushing the person, mm-hmm. but also letting that person know that you're available to talk and recognizing behavior patterns. You know, I remember times where I would just hope people would just ask me or when I, you know, when I did share with people, I didn't know how to say it. I remember one time and I, I don't think I've really spoken to this person about this specifically since, you know, when I was talking, oh, she'd be like, the, it was one of my best friends at the time. And, and she would say, oh, you keep saying the same things over and over and how painful that was. I don't know how to say anything else. You know what I'm saying? And and this is this is the space that I'm in with it. And that's devastating to somebody when you're having a hard time going through mm-hmm. and you're telling me, well, say something different. I just I just need this. And so so if the person tells you the same story 25 times, yeah, listen. <laughs> listen like it's the first time you've heard it. Yeah, that's good. Um, but also help guide that person to therapy where the therapist can help them process and open it up and be in that space. And so I think the, the simplest things you, you can do make a big difference. Just being willing to listen. I don't need you to like call out of work, you know, and, yeah, and stay yeah. on the phone. But I, but that listening ear goes such a long way. Yeah. So you have been like so transparent, so honest. And we started with, and I love that we started with the the culmination of your experiences rather than with the trauma because I think that says so much about like what the goal is with healing is Mm -hmm. to be on the other side of of and and regain your freedom and take things back that were taken from you you know and Mm -hmm. and um and not that we'll say you'll ever be the same but in regenerating and, and, and reviving yourself and finding healing and purpose, I think is a, is a beautiful byproduct of a traumatic experience. And I'll say it over and over and over again on this podcast, because I am talking to people who are doing really hard things. I don't believe that, oh, this happened for a reason. Like I, that's not my frame of thought. What I believe though, is that sometimes difficult things happen, um, hard things happen, traumatic things happen. And from those, we are gifted with opportunities to find lessons if we want to mm-hmm. um, and, and take things from them if we want to. And so the fact that in all that you've experienced and all that you've gone through and overcome, out of that was birth strong witness. Like out yeah. of you feeling silence, feeling, you know, tossed and, and, and basically having spaces where you could not speak you unlock this power in for yourself and you find such value in it that you say, I want to make sure that no one else feels like they have to be silenced again. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, and that's a gift, friend. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah. I, well, glory to God, right? Because I think I'm just going to add, add a couple of things here. Because when you're talking, I agree too. I don't think like Sometimes it's cliche and we say it happened for a reason, yeah. right? And then yeah. in certain things, it could, it could be easier to digest when somebody says that, you know? I know in the scripture, the text where, you know, beauty from ashes or 
that all things work together type yeah. thing. You know what I mean? And I, I know that it made me into the woman that I am. You know what I mean? Like I, the, my resilience and the strength, and I can look at other survivors and think the same thing and how um, we all know people in life that have gone through something just got stuck yeah, and stayed yeah. there. And then we know people in life that have gone through something and we, we have grown from it. And it, it's the people who are stuck. I want to yeah, elevate up. Right. And the people who have grown, like, I want to hear your voice. And um, I would never like, I'm glad that you said that. Cause I would never say that somebody has been hurt. Like there's a reason for this. Like, no, that's listen, not. But we'll just, listen, <laughs> listen, you know, I get, I get on my soapbox, but you wouldn't believe how many, and well you would. Cause you have like, we have clients come in and people like, that's what people say, thinking that they're comforting them or, you know, or, yeah. And I think, I hope that's something people learn. Like, you know, it's it's not. Yeah, but that could be a whole. I could be a whole episode. What things not to say? It comes with listen. Like what you don't say. <laughs> listen, episode. listen. I'm gonna jot that down. We all know what else you shouldn't say is uh, it happened to me too. Kind of like okay, get over it. I know a lot of women who have said that. Not that this happens yeah. with sexual assault. Um, childhood sexual abuse happens to, to males too. But I'm just saying, I know a lot of women who have said, well, it happened to me and my mom. So, you know, they'll be all right. Like, that's not the answer. It's not. It's not. Yeah. And by normalizing, we don't mean normalize just to say it happens to everybody. That's, normal. <laughs> that's not normalizing. Mm-hmm. Normalizing is saying that there is a problem. There is this pervasive problem in our society where things are happening to people mm-hmm. and they are forced to be kept quiet. They're violated. And then we tell them once again, as a society, be quiet. Yeah, oh, yeah. We, we traumatize them. We, you know, we are also um, accomplices almost, you know, in that in their trauma when we don't give them space or mm-hmm. we don't validate the fact that this experience happened to them. We don't have to understand all the time. We don't have to know, yeah. like, but we can validate and not take someone's experiences from them. Exactly. Exactly. And there's so much like victim shaming going on, whether oh, yeah. it be like what you wore, what you wore. Oh, yeah. Why didn't you say it sooner? Um, it couldn't happen because you ain't say nothing. You're lying. So many, so many adults that stay with the perpetrator because where else will I go? You know what I'm saying? Right, like, right. Um, but for as many strong witnesses are there out are out there, people who are willing to talk. You know, we also have to acknowledge there's a lot of people who still haven't talked. I mean, how many how many people have you spoken to as a therapist, and that's the first time. Yeah, them sharing an issue with right. you as an as an adult, You're right. you know, and it's like I hate that feeling. Like I hate that because I'm thinking I would. You got to talk, you know what I mean. And once you start talking, the things are going to break. But there are still grown adults out there, well into their adult years, that have kept that secret shut. Yeah, because out of fear of telling, out of fear of people not believing, or, or what are they going to say? The perpetrator is well known. And who's going to believe me, you know? Yeah. yeah. And I love that you say, like, you have to talk. And so I want us to clarify, like, we're not saying everybody has to have a platform to talk. That's not what we're saying. We're not saying get on a (laughs) microphone and scream from the rooftops, because that may not be everybody's key to freedom. But what we are saying is that you have to talk. You have to get this out. And, you know, I go back to the body holds a score. You know, the reality is that trauma, our body holds on to those things 
and experiences. And so it's important to have outlets and be able to express yourself and get this out and, and, and get access to the freedom that comes so that not only does your abuser win in that moment, but they don't get to continue to have power over the outcomes of your life. Mm-mm. Right. That's a good point right there. That's a real good point. My pastor says things like that too. Like the, just people in the grave still having power over us. Yeah. Because, because we don't open up our mouths and talk. Yeah. That's it. Like you just hit on it. Just the idea of sharing your words and how much power that, but that's what, that's the strong part and strong yeah. witness. How much power there is once you begin to speak and to talk. I mean, you know, share your story, period. Yeah. The, the life changer. It is the power of the vulnerability mm-hmm. and, <laughs> and to like the, the healing understanding that like part of this doesn't mean that you share your story because you are going to get apologies. The reality <laughs> is that part of healing is understanding that, you know, you have to heal from apologies you may never receive, you know, and forgive people who never apologized. And so it's not also like, it's just, it's about you. It is not about the abuser. It is not about them. It is about using your voice is about you. It is about your healing, about your freedom. And if it helps other people in the process, that's great. Mm -hmm. But it's really just about you. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, which is different because, you know, when you have that story shut up on the inside of you, you think of everybody else, but you, you know what I'm saying? A lot of times, like, you know, what will they think or how will they react or will I, you know, I do think, I did think about how will they begin to look at me, but um, man, what you, you said something a minute ago, I'm trying to remember how you said it, but it was, it was just good. I can't remember you, you dropping so many bangers that I just forget which one is which. I'm trying to keep up, Fran, I'm just trying Yeah, yeah, it was good stuff, um, but yeah. So like, thank you so much for, um, your transparency for your on this podcast but also just in general thank you for what you do for others thank you for being intentional about how you serve um you know I I believe in the vision you know and the things that you've set forth so I appreciate you allowing me to 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 tune in and, and be a part of uh your vision for helping others um, but most importantly, I want to thank you for not allowing your experience to just learn and grow for yourself, um, but that you were bold enough to take this experience and try to figure out now, how do I give others what I needed? How do I create that? How do I empower other people? So, um, as your friend, I appreciate you, but also as a human, thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Stephanie. I think this is dope. I think your podcast is great. Thank you for your kind words. And thank you for, um, it comes with living. Cause I think a lot of people need to hear stories like, like what um, the transparency that people are here sharing. Cause again, if it's not spoken of, you think that you're the only one and it's isolated. Yeah. So this space like this, like I, it, it's helping people see that um, somebody else gets it. You know what I mean? Somebody else can identify. I'm not out here on this Island. Um, and I'm really hoping that everybody who listens to, all the podcasts, your series, once they download, um, you know, and for yeah. those that download, keep listening, um, that they hear those these experiences and can, and can relate and they get healed. Yeah. Yeah. That's the yeah. part, that's the, that's the power of staring, sharing stories too, that sometimes you're not the speaker, you can listen to somebody else's and get free. 
Yeah, yeah. We don't have to, you know, and and what I also love is that like you may not be a victim of sexual assault, mm-hmm. but we all have traumas and experiences that have laid impact in 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 um impressions on our life. And you too can get this healing. You too <laughs> can get this freedom, you know, and sharing mm-hmm. your story. Um, so I love it. I love it. So friend, tell the people where they can find you. Yeah, like Strong Witness, definitely um, on Instagram and Facebook. Um, it's at, at Strong Witness. You can you can find us on there. And of course, in April, just because it's special to me, we always try to do some type of event or activity around sexual assault, mm-hmm. uh, child abuse awareness, because April is Sexual Assault Child Abuse Awareness Month. And I know like the reason I started Strong Witness is because of my own experience of childhood sexual abuse. But, you know, Strong Witness is a platform for anybody to share any type of story. So if anybody had a story they wanted to share, I don't, you know, you can share a story, you can write it, you can paint it, like, you know what I mean? Like yeah. you can act it out however you want to do it. Um, you got to get, yep, you can mine. It's like that. You're doing a great job. <laughs> but, but, um, but however you get it out, you get it out. So definitely um, find it on there. And then uh, with LCS Counseling, uh, Instagram is at LCS underscore counseling. Of course, on Facebook, LCS Counseling and Consulting Agency. Thank you. I appreciate you so much. And thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you guys so much for listening. I want to start by speaking to the person that maybe heard this and it triggered something in you. I want you to know that there are people who are trained and dedicated and want to help you unlock your freedom and not be held hostage to your experiences. You know, we talk about suffering in silence and we want everyone to feel the liberty and the freedom that Latoya has talked about. It may not look like you sharing your voice on a platform. It may not look like you sharing a letter with your abuser. But one of the things we do know is that there is power in, in, in healing. There is power in unlocking your voice. And we want to try to make sure that you guys get connected to someone that can help you do so. So if you're a victim of sexual violence or sexual assault, there is the National Sexual Assault Telephone Line, which is 1-800-656-HOPE. That number is 1-800-656-4673, and they can connect you to trained staff who can help you find a provider in your area to discuss your assault or your trauma. But also, there are a lot of platforms that help you find a therapist or a counselor in your area that would specialize in trauma. A few of our favorites are Therapy for Black Girls, Melanin and Mental Health, and Psychology Today. So be sure you're seeking out trusted, trained professionals to assist you. But to that family member, to that neighbor, to the person that's wanting to figure out how to adequately hold space for their loved one. I want to just remind people, it's okay to say, I don't know what to say. It's okay to be silent in the space. It's okay to offer support. And it's okay to just show love and patience and intentionality in being present. We don't have to know it all. We don't have to be at all. And I think there's liberty even in knowing that. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. I hope you come back. So whether we are exploring peaks or valleys, celebrating our victories or overcoming disappointments, sharing moments of joy or heartbreaking sorrow, we know it comes with living.